Hello again, this is Digging for Something, and I am your host, JJ. Full disclosure, this is actually the second time I am doing this podcast. Had uh, some technical difficulties, and my first attempt recorded the entire show. When I heard it back, the audio was so bad it was non-existent. It was... I mean, not even the the typical robot cell phone. I have no idea what happened. Uh, maybe I should have checked my AirPods before, but apparently the microphone wasn't working very well. Uh, they're, they're the AirPods I use when I go running, and I tend to sweat a lot. So uh, hopefully that's not what happened. Got some sweat in the mic or something that messed that up. Um, I don't know. I'm going to have to check them out. But this is attempt number two. Let's cross our fingers that I actually make it through this episode with a good quality audio. Um, I'm actually looking at the wavelength and it's moving. I should have paid more attention to the last one. Uh, but you live and learn. Um, and hopefully I will learn my lesson and will not do it again. Uh, luckily, I still have time and I can do it again. Um but I can't get that hour back. So, what is this week's topic? Well, this week's topic is one of those polarizing topics they say not to discuss with friends at the dinner table. Politics. Woo! And not political views or um, you know, political beliefs or things that we stand for. Just... Politics in general, um, the political system, um, the problems with it, the problems with the parties, uh, just my thoughts and observations about that. Um, Like I said, I don't want this, like I said in my very first podcast, I don't want this to be a political show, Um, but there's nothing wrong with actually talking about politics in general um, and without becoming one of those slanted cable news networks so here we go let's let's talk about politics and uh, where should we start um let's start with our parties now there are two main parties republicans and democrats um there's many other political affiliations uh, or actually non-affiliations if you consider Independence, there's the Green Party, Libertarian Party, uh, who knows how many other parties. Uh, centuries ago, there were, there were actually a, a few more parties. I think there were Federalists and Whigs, uh, and I believe they even occupied the White House. But right now, it's, it's mostly a two-party system with the Democrats and the Republicans. Um, the other smaller parties... I don't know if they really provide any substance or any value to our political system. Um, They were probably just created out of frustration. uh, And they they usually, their views, their values 
are you are typically aligned with a particular um, issue or initiative from one of the parties, whether it's uh, the environment, whether it's extremely limited government. So they they really don't have the same beliefs as the entire party, but the one core belief of that party is really what they stand for and mostly what they stand for. Um, but uh, those parties typically do not have any impact in our uh, national elections. Uh, they they may make uh, candidates on the ballot, but it doesn't it, it doesn't really uh, make much difference. So we have our Democrats, Republicans, Republicans, Democrats, uh, and we are in a time where it's it's really a divisive time. Um, it's a really frustrating time. Um, because neither party can get off their you know party platform and work with the other party uh, the democrats blame the republicans for this or that or um, say the republicans are are blocking this uh, stopping that and republicans are saying that democrats uh, are not working with the republicans to to pass something that's beneficial uh, at the end of the day, it's both parties that are being stubborn, uh, being partisan, and we, the American people, are are feeling the brunt of it. Um, you have congressional sessions that that accomplish nothing, um, because especially on the bigger issues, because nobody wants to give in and uh, they want to blame the other party, and it's 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 frustrating. Um, it's it's frustrating that our elected leaders cannot work together uh, and compromise. Um, it's just like a marriage; it's compromise. You have to compromise, and uh, we're at a time now, uh, which it's it's kind of weird because we're a free society, but it's almost like we we are or removing some of our freedoms with freedom of choice, freedom of expression, freedom of choice, and it's our way or no way. Um, and we can't really have that in our government. And we need our elected officials to work together and uh, for the common good of what's best for the American people and not what's best for every single person because there's nothing you can do that will benefit everybody. Um, you know, a term I like to use is the greater good. Um, so what's going to have the greatest impact to impact most of the people? Uh, and you know, right now, with, with the Black Lives Matter, that's, that's um, I guess, uh, a huge, huge topic and um, taking up a lot of time and resources uh, for that initiative. But... Um, you know, we have to move away from just that because there's other things that are going on in this country that that um, that need to be talked about and and sorted through and um, and kind of move things forward. Um, you know, every um, every I guess lobby has its own priorities 
um, whether it's the various minorities, whether it's the LGBTQ, I think there's another letter. I'm sorry, I, have to, I might have to look it up, but I believe there was another letter added. But that community, um, you have uh, you know, different lobbies, farmers, um, corporations, um, nonprofits, religious. So there's so many different groups that are fighting to have their voices heard to get things done that benefit their groups. Um, and obviously, you're not going to be able to to satisfy everybody, but we need our elected officials to work together and to try to put the bickering, put the blaming aside and reach that compromise to benefit the country as a whole. Um, you know, with our two part, our, our main two parties, um, there, there's really perceptions about those two parties and uh, and the members or those affiliated with those parties, uh, you know, the perception of Republicans is they're rich white men who want to control the dollar and keep the rich white men rich and the corporations rich. And then uh, the perception is the Democratic Party um, is for the little guy for to to create a system where uh, people have money, people have food, you know, um, is to represent all the people that are struggling or the, the fighting for people's liberties or um, reforms uh, or the justice system. Um, you know, those are the perceptions of those two parties. And, and honestly, they're just perceptions. It's not really true. Uh, for either, uh, you know, we're a country of, I think, 200 and something million people. So if you take, you know, let's say you take um, a million Democrats and there's a million or 100 million Democrats, 100 million Republicans, they're not all aligned on every single issue. Um, there's Republicans who are huge on social issues and there's Democrats who... Um, who, who believe strongly in the free market system. And there's probably just as many millionaires in the Democratic Party as there are in the Republican Party. So um, it's just which party has more issues you identify with uh, at this point. And that's kind of um, how people choose to, to have their party designation. Um, now, the Democratic Party uh, used to kind of adhere to liberal values, lib liberal views. Uh, you know, we, we hear about the ALCU all the time, and um, you know, they do a lot of good work. Uh, sometimes they, they take lines that um, are not popular just because they might fight for a person or a group of people that really... <sighs> People don't agree with, but their job is, you know, American civil liberties, um, you know, their rights. And uh, whether you agree with them or not, um, 
they are a necessary group. They're a watchdog group to, to make sure everybody's rights are, are, um, are appreciated and uh, are given. Um, you know, we're living in a time where we're fighting for equality for all. So I, I guess they have even more of a hand in that uh, as we speak. But um, there's 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 still well, many, you know, a good percentage that are not ultra liberal um, or have ultra liberal views that are towards the middle. And probably the last five years, you've seen a, a larger representation of progressives, or as the term I've heard before, um, democratic socialist. Which I guess is a a way of softening the term socialist, uh, because when you hear socialist, uh, you don't hear anything good in history. But there has been a a bigger move um, in the in the um, Democratic Party, uh, where progressives have are having a a larger voice um, and you kind of saw that with Bernie Sanders uh, who is who is not even a Democrat um, I, I don't understand why he runs as a Democrat um, he is an independent senator um, uh, he should not be on the Democratic ticket if he's not a Democrat um, anybody on the tickets should be what their political party is. Uh, if you're not going to be a part of that party, uh, run as an independent or run as one of the other parties. Um, but he's had, I guess, from the last presidential cycle, he had he picked up a lot of support. Um, uh, so with with that, the progressive platform grew now <laughs> obviously progressives for republicans are communist or socialist um i mean they they definitely have some socialist beliefs uh i don't believe they're communist but um you know that's just the progression <laughs> you know moderate liberal progressive socialist you know, communist so i guess it's it's a uh it's it's an, another step. So obviously Republicans are not um, are, are 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 not viewing the progressives very well, and they they definitely don't believe um, they're they are good for this country. Um, also, many in the Democratic Party um, are kind of shunning from progressives because it's too far. Too far to the extreme, um, and there's more. Most Democrats lie between liberal and moderate, so you know socialist is is kind of extreme from their views, and uh, you know even though a lot of their beliefs sound good, as far as living wages and and capping um, compensation, and also. Uh, taxation, uh, especially taxation for the rich, uh, it probably goes a little too far. Um, the top 10% of wage earners uh, carry most of the tax burden for this country. 
you know, how, how much can you tax the same people? Um, and also as far as living weight or, yeah, uh, earning a, a living wage, uh, it's, it's a slippery slope, um, because a lot of people who work, you know, you, you can't get two people paying the same one who is just, you know, showing up and the other is busting their you know what but because you you put this wage scale at a certain place they're making the same um there's only so so much money that can be divvied up and the the more you try to um elevate the bottom you're capping the ceiling on the top uh, so it's definitely a slippery slope. Uh, a lot of people in the Democratic Party um, are trying to distance themselves from progressives. And also, if you look at the this cycle, um, Bernie Sanders had a huge, huge, huge support. Um, but a lot of people in the Democratic Party uh, were kind of you know, working to to get more of a compromise candidate, which is probably what happened with uh, Joe Biden. Um, he was a compromise candidate. So uh, I think one of the, the bigger problems we have is there's too, there were too many people running. Um, so what happens is, and I think it's, it's the same thing that happened when uh, Trump secured the, President Trump secured the Republican um, nomination, is that, Donald Trump had a very small percentage of diehards, but they were they they were ride or die with him, and so let's say he had twenty percent of ride or die. Um, nobody else really had that hardcore base. Um, usually, it's the polarizing candidate will have that hardcore base. So what happened is there were so many others who split the vote. So you have another eighty percent that gets split up, and even Trump. Donald Trump got some of that, but then all the other candidates um, wound up splitting those votes. So what happens is you don't have the the best candidate. You have the one who got the higher percentage of ten people. Um, so I think I think that's kind of what was what was happening here, where Joe Biden they kind of saw what was happening and. The Democratic Party was worried that um, Bernie Sanders was going to kind of get the nomination the same way Donald Trump did. And they were like, OK, we need to we need to kind of pull everything together and get get our compromise candidate, uh, which is why I don't I don't think Joe Biden was the best candidate, but he was the best compromise candidate. Uh, so, you know, I I. I think there we need to do something to whittle that down, whether it may be uh, limiting the the um, the number of candidates, which I don't know how you would do that, or maybe having a couple primaries so you you can so you don't have so much of a split vote, uh, where you have an initial primary and you can have your ten, you know, fifteen candidates. Um, which not everybody even makes it to the debate stage. And uh, so some are 
grabbing votes even though um, they just have a small base but it's you, know, you, you take let's say the top three or four uh, from that initial primary and then you can have the the actual primary so you have a preliminary and you have a primary um, and then maybe you can have a better a better representation of what um, that party base uh, really wants to uh, to have represent them as their candidate. So I think um, I, I think something has to be done, and we might be able to have uh, better candidates. Now, when I say better candidates, I I, I kind of look at two thousand sixteen as the year with the kind of worst choices. Uh, originally, I would say is the you know, you're voting for the lesser of the two evils between Hillary Clinton and uh, Donald Trump, or you can the best of the worst. Um, it, it's it was really I don't think a, a great selection. Um, I I think that was probably the last chance for the Clinton machine to to have a chance. Um, you know, some things that probably impacted uh, Hillary Clinton from getting. You know, I know she won the general election, but really that's that's because of California. California is so heavily Democrat. Um, they're always going to have a huge percentage of the general, um, the general, um, the general population percentage, just because of a couple of huge states. So, um, so I, I understand she won the popular vote, but um, it's not just the popular vote. Every state has the same, I guess amount of uh, power to elect so that's why we have the electoral college but either way um, one thing about the Clinton machine that posed a problem then uh, Donald Trump was not likable Hillary Clinton's not likable um, the transgressions that Donald Trump made especially regarding women and things like that uh, Hillary Clinton was not able to pounce on because her husband uh, had his own issues regarding women, so she couldn't be a hypocrite, or she won't want to spend time defending her husband. Which um, I think, if it were, if it were now, there was no way Hillary Clinton would be um, a viable candidate just because of the Me Too movement. Um, I think her husband would definitely uh, bring her down. So that was pretty much her last shot. Um, but 2016, it was, it was tough. It was tough. It was not, it was not a great choice, um, for us. And one of the problems was because we had too many, too many possible candidates on the Republican ticket. And then you had the Clinton machine with, uh, Bernie Sanders. So you had a socialist and an unlikable person with a huge name. So that really impacted um, the choices we had for the vote. Um, this year, you just you had 
too many Democratic candidates. So it's a little different than last year or last time or um, last cycle. We had too many Republicans. Um, and the thing about Republicans is they've, you know, the last few decades, um, one of the biggest problems with Republicans were they were too ultra conservative and they were not accepting of moderates. Um, and, you know, moderates is what swings most elections. And also where you get a lot of the support. So you need to be accepting of moderates and and they, sh they, they should have been more supportive for moderate, moderate candidates um, instead of always pushing um, the ultra-conservatives. And you know, both, both parties, it's like, okay, it's either you believe in everything or you're not one of us. Um, you, can't really, you can't really do that. So the Republicans, I, I think they are moving to accepting more of moderates, but there's still a perception, obviously, of the conservative uh, views. Um, uh, right now, I think only uh, 3% of the black population reg of registered voters are Republican. What's funny is the last few decades, um, the black vote was actually higher for Republican than the registered uh, voters, black voters, uh, who were registered as Republicans. Um, now, there can be many different reasons, things like that, but I think one of the problems is, um, and, you know, to allude what uh, Joe Biden said about um, you ain't black if, uh, if you vote for Donald Trump, um, it's that perception that um, blacks should be are supposed to be Democrats. It wasn't always that way. I mean, Abraham Lincoln, we all know, was a Republican. Um, there has been a lot of talk that Martin Luther King was a Republican. Um, you go back 70, 80 years ago, it was, uh, you know, 30, 40, and 40 percentage points of uh, black Republicans. You know, obviously a lot changed, probably with the 60s. That's, that's, that's probably where a lot of it shifted. Um, but uh, uh, I think the Republican Party itself needs to be more inclusive and and work towards increasing their their um, their registered voters that are from the black community because uh, you need more voices you you need more diverse voices uh, right now um, as far as Latins uh, only twenty nine percent of registered voters are Latin. Are for registered voters are, are Republicans, um, so that means you know almost seventy percent. You know, obviously there's some that are independents, um, are Democrats. Uh, so you look at a lot from, you know, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, California is a heavy uh, Democrat state. So you have a very high Mexican population there. So Mexicans, uh, Central Americans. Um, some places of South America, when when they come here, many of them are are kind of linked with the Democratic Party. Uh, there's a couple countries that are huge exceptions: Cubans and Venezuelans, especially the older generations, uh, tend to to identify themselves as Republicans. 
and mostly because they came from uh, social, social, socialist countries, or communist countries. I mean, it's it's well documented what happened um, in Cuba with Castro, and people lost a lot of their personal property, personal wealth. Uh, so they've seen uh, what socialist governments can do, uh, and it can destroy uh, an entire um, population and and have people living in poverty, um, oppression, um, just losing control of of your free will practically. So and. Uh, like I stated earlier, you have those progressives who have socialistic views. There's no way um, th- those the people who come from those countries um, are going to vote that way. They've seen it. They've lived it. So they they will will go the other way, and that's why uh, Cubans and Venezuelans typically, um, like I said, especially the older generations, the first generations, uh, they. They uh, they will they will they will vote Republicans because of that because of what they've been through. Um, one of the things that uh, hit the news the last few days, um, the president of Goya Foods was at the White House um, and he made some comments. Um, praising the president, praising leadership, praising what he's us, um, his initiatives and things like that, and he was there because uh, there was an initiative that was being pushed. Um, I think it was Hispanic Prosperity uh, Initiative, and it was an in- initiative to provide economic and employment opportunities in the Latin communities, and obviously. The president of Goya, he he is a Latin himself. This is something he has, um, he's definitely on board with. So, you know, because he was there for this initiative and he made some comments, um, positive comments about the president. We, because we're in this cancel culture, what what happens? Oh, let's boycott Goya. It's like. You're kidding me, right? We're going to boycott Goya because of something, because the president of Goya made good, uh, had some positive comments, not offensive comments, positive comments about the president. It's ridiculous. And I'm, I'm kind of proud of the president of Goya who, who doubled down and, and refused to apologize as he has nothing to apologize for. He And he basically said he's not going to have his... Um, his right for free speech suppressed because some people don't like the president. And he even mentioned he worked on other initiatives with Michelle Obama. So he has been more concerned about getting initiatives for empowering Latin people. But because people don't like this president, anybody who says anything good about him, oh, we need to boycott. And it's not the first time. And... The problem with it is when you we have political leaders like the congressman, the New York Congresswoman AOC, uh, former cabinet member uh, Julian Castro, who who get on the bandwagon and agree with the boycotting Goya, 
it's ridiculous because the, here we have our elected officials, our public officials partaking in something that impacts innocent people. There are people who work at these companies that we you choose to boycott and you can impact people's lives. The, the Our government's responsibility is to ensure the safety, security of all the citizens of this country and try to keep this economy jobs going. So you want to boycott a company that's going to impact people and their jobs. For what? Because this person made a positive comment about the president, about somebody you don't like? Grow up. It happens. You know, it's no different than when um, Nike uh, chose or um, brought on Colin Kaepernick as an endorser and created a line. Oh, there was a let's boycott Nike. No, if you don't agree, it's a free country. Stop boycotting. There are people's jobs at stake. So you boycott for what? Because you don't like something. If there's no laws being broken, nothing immoral is being done, get over it. Get over it yourself. I will continue to buy Goya products. I like Goya. They have great products and reasonably priced. I wear Nike apparel. I, I have Nike gift cards I need to go to the store to use. I'm a Nike fan. Um, whether And I've, I've mentioned before, I'm not the biggest Colin Kaepernick fan, but he's... He's not in my family. He's not my friend. He's not my neighbor. I don't. Have to, I don't care. If they want to pay him to be endorser, that's on them. That's not on me. And if President Goy, who offended nobody, just had you know positive comments about the president of the United States, and who's, I mean, who's so moral that they're not going to go to the White House because of they don't. I mean, really, people need to get over themselves. All it's doing is creating additional divisive behavior and both sides have a lot to do with it you know when you boycott because somebody says something good about the president that is being divisive and you're also messing with freedom of speech especially speech that's that's not hurting anybody and in this case you know, this is the same party that well, are card-carrying members of the ACLU, people American Civil Liberties Union. So you should be championing this person's right to say that and not ne- ne- negatively impact innocent people just because you don't like the person he praised. Get over it. It's not worth it. I mean, our political figures, and it's both sides. Um you know, our current president, uh, Trump, yeah, he said some, he said a lot of things that, you know, I think one of the problems is he's not polished, and he he's honest, and uh, sometimes some things probably are said that he, that are misinterpreted or twisted, but he's his own worst enemy with the things he says, and some of the things, yeah, definitely can be very divisive, um, but both sides or just as, I mean, uh, Lady Gaga, oh, you want to be this famous liberal and go scream, not our president. He was elected. He's your president. Accept and move on. You know, Joe Biden, um, you know, 
as I said a few minutes ago, uh, if you go for, you ain't black, if you go for Trump, that's a divisive statement. We need to stop that. And it is both sides that are doing it. Um, until it stops, if we're going to have the, these problems that we face as a country because our elected officials are doing it. And if our elected officials are creating it, and like I said, it's both sides. Anybody who says it's not, it's only one side, is, is closed-minded because both sides do it. Um, we need that respect from each other. Um, and I don't think we, I don't think it's there. Um, we need to appreciate opposing views, especially if it's not against the law, it's not immoral. Somebody might not say something the right way. Oh my, let it go. Uh, we cannot hold on every single word and think the worst. And if we do that, we're not going to get any better as a as a country. But hopefully that is something that's going to happen in our lifetime. But you know, with the constant need to put down the other party, um, you know, one one of the things that worries me is, uh, you know, it's it's a story that just doesn't die and it's you know the whole Epstein this man was an evil evil man uh, he he deserved to die uh, but he should have he should have faced his accusers face punishment and not take the easy way out um, but we don't and when you when you're a millionaire, a billionaire, you rub elbows with other millionaires and billionaires and people in power, politicians. So, yeah, there, uh, Epstein uh, has photos with Donald Trump and uh, Bill Clinton was on his jet and all that. And I am just hoping that even though I know it's, it's taking place, both sides are hoping there's a smoking gun about one of them. Uh, the Republicans are... Want to say, oh, look, see, Clinton, he was this, he was this sick. And then Democrats are saying, hey, we told you this is how Trump was. It's almost, eh, we don't need a, a dirtbag, evil person like Epstein be, be used as a political pawn just to say, told you. Um, you know, with his, with his longtime girlfriend and enabler um, who was arrested uh, I'm sure there's a lot of smoking guns and anybody who was an enabler who who took part in these horrible acts they should be brought to justice and even if the statute of limitations is passed they should be dragged through the mud um, uh, because these are these are people who did horrible things and uh, should not be let let off um, I'm, and I'm and I'm hoping there's no smoking gun for either Bill Clinton or Donald Trump, uh, because um, I I don't think I I know all it's going to do is it's politicizing even more and 
make it make it even more okay the republicans or democrats and and we we, we definitely don't don't need that um so hopefully anybody who who was involved is brought to justice and it's not used as a political a political chip but only time will tell um you know one of the things we see a lot with the 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 two parties is um you see a a definite change in party affiliation um you i think you you see probably a a much more common evolution um as far as changing a political affiliation uh democrat to republican um because when the young generation are starting out just getting their their voting rights um most they're just looking how to get a foundation for their future whether it's education opportunities um rehabilitation so they may look at the democratic party as the one that's going to help them um it's you know they're the they're the do-gooder generation and they're the we are the world generation so uh the younger will start out as democrats um but then once they uh once they make some money many you know like to keep it they're like okay i made my money i have insurance i have a home i have a family i have a nice 401 i want to keep a lot more of this so many of those who are democrats wind up um um shifting to republicans just because they don't need the government uh as you know when they kind of like when they used to when they were younger and they they were more reliant on the government. Now, I think with the shift from Republican to Democratic, um, what you'll probably see more there are the the Republicans who grew up because their their parents were ultra conservative and probably closed minded, and things like that. Um, so they they started out with those same views, and then they grew up and and, and got their own voice. They might have been more liberal and um, were not as close-minded, um, so they, they they kind of say, you know what? I don't want to. I'm not a Republican. Um, I'm I'm more for helping others and things like that. So I'm going to make that switch. So you do have some switches taking place. Um, I, I think usually, uh, majority of the time, you'll kind of follow one of those formats. Um, it's kind of like even as I mentioned, like Cubans. Uh, I've met, uh, in previous podcasts. I've mentioned that my mother is from Cuba, um, but even the younger generation of Cubans are not as Republican as the older generations, just because uh, they're much further removed of what took place, and they don't really have, they don't have the eyes or. Um, kind of understand what took place so they might be a little more uh, open to the other party so which kind of falls in line with 
the younger generations kind of starting out with those ideals and things like that. Um, so you you do have some shifting, and um, I mean, this is going to be an interesting election. It really is. Uh, there is so much going on. Um, I think both candidates have their positive and negatives. Um, neither one are young. <laughs> uh, I, I think I think the next cycle we we need to get some some young blood in there. Um, I think Bernie Sanders definitely he's done. So we need to get some younger blood in there uh, to run uh, because these are kind of two older candidates. They, they have their positives. They have their negatives. Um, we'll see We'll see how it goes. And now we have a wild card. Uh, Kanye West decided he's going to throw his name in, uh, in this election. <sighs> I have no idea what his motivation is. He... He definitely walks to his own beat, and got to give him credit for that. This is the same guy who said George Bush doesn't care about black people, and then wears a "Make America Great Again" hat uh, for Donald Trump, who's been called, you know, very device, divisive and things like that. <laughs> Where George Bush, he was, he was actually more of a good old boy who got along with people. Um, so it's kind of odd, but. You know, he he walks to his own beat, and I'm sure there's the conspiracy theorists out there who, who say he's running, uh, because it helps uh, Donald Trump, uh, because he will take some of the black votes, some of the uh, anti-political, um, anti-politician vote, um, just something different vote. Uh, Elon Musk, who's another crazy person, uh, sometimes crazy good, sometimes crazy not so good. Um, you know, through his support to Kanye West. Uh, I have no idea what his real motivation is. Um, he's a little imbalanced. I don't, I don't think he'd make a good president. Uh, he's, he's definitely out there. Um, I think it's been well documented. He's had some mental issues. Um, so I don't, I don't know if it's serious or not. Um, but it definitely makes it more interesting. Uh, <laughs> I guess we'll see in the coming weeks of uh, you know if he's really going to go full bo- uh, full speed ahead with it, or if it's just another hoax. Um, but it's, it's a you know it's good news, or, or I say good good for the news cycle now, just to get something else out there. Since that's what most of us are doing, uh, since we're still living in this COVID. 19 time and uh, a lot more time at home trying to educate ourselves and inform ourselves of different things. Uh, And I guess Kanye West will will keep us entertained for a few weeks at least. And if he keeps his name on the ballot, which it's, who knows if that's going to happen since uh, he's already missed the deadline for many states. We'll see if his name's on the ballot. And if it is, (laughs) <laughs> it will be interesting to see not only how many votes he gets, but also how much it impacts this election. Um, with that, I will call it an end to this podcast. Uh, it's not fun having to do it all over again. 
and obviously it's probably a little different than my first attempt at it. Um, I don't know if it's better or worse. I can't even listen to the first one to compare, but it is what it is. I hope you enjoyed it. If you have any you know, feedback or comments or want to throw some topics for me to discuss, you can send an email at uh, diggingforsomething at AOL.com. And it's the number four, digging the number four, something at AOL.com. Feel free to send an email. Uh, thank you for listening to this episode of Digging for Something. This is JJ, and I will see you when I see you.